Welcome to the Transformation Church Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. I'm your host, Justin Oswald, Executive Pastor, Transformation Church. Join with the man himself, Lead Pastor Brad Livingston. Hey guys, how's it going? Uh, so happy, excited to have you guys with us. And uh, just like Justin said, we have got the TC uh, Weekly Follow-Up Podcast where um, we're going to take some sermons and break them down. Justin kind of explain to them what we're going to be doing here each week. Yeah, so we've been having a lot of conversations here uh, amongst the staff um, uh, around the concept of seizing the 167. Uh, there's 168 hours in a week. Um, we feel many churches focus, you know, 95% of their their efforts and their resources and their time and even their dollars on the one hour on Sunday morning that everyone gathers to have church. And that's great. Um, but we want to seize the 167 and provide value to the, to the people that, that uh, call Transformation Church home and, and not just those, anyone that tunes in, want to provide value. We believe that, um, you know, the, the messages that, that are preached from our pulpit on Sunday are, um, you know, messages from God to the body, you know, to the congregation. And we want to spend a little time each week maybe going a little deeper and unpacking those a little bit um, and just, just trying to provide value to, to people other than uh, gathering in a, in, a, in a space, a large space on one hour a week and, and worshiping and all that's great. And we love that, that part of church. Uh, but we just want to uh, just bring some, something a little extra and uh, real excited this past Sunday, you started a new series entitled icebergs and um, it was just a powerful message. And I'm excited to be able to talk a little bit more about that because you know the, the the iceberg the whole idea is we we see certain things on the surface but underneath the surface there's there's a lot more there that no one ever sees no one gets to see and um you know the 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 part one of the series was the iceberg of fear um and and I can uh, assume that you're going somewhere based on what I know next week's topic is coming that uh, you know over the next three weeks I'm gonna unpacking more of this this whole concept of icebergs but you know, to, to, to really live a free life and to be, um, you know, a fully devoted follower of Christ. You know, we have to do certain things. And we talk about fear. You listed four things of, you know, the, the what's of what, what do we fear? And one of them being isolation. Uh, let's talk about that a little bit, because I think, you know, when I when I heard it, uh, when you when heard you preaching Sunday, you know, I, I thought to myself, you know, that's not a fear I have because um, I was thinking I'm not isolated. But that's really not the point you were making. The point you were making is the fear of of being isolated. Um, and I think we're in a world now, especially with social media, where we're we're more connected than we've ever been. Yet many people are probably more alone than they've ever been, right? Because right. of this false sense of uh, inclusion, right? You know, this fear of missing out type type thing you hear about. So maybe talk about the isolation a little bit. Yeah. So you know, like you said, you know, we weren't necessarily talking about being isolated we were talking about the fear of isolation I and mean, right. ulti- ultimately what does that boil down to right which is this fear of being alone right this fear of being by ourself um and and not just being alone but ending up alone right and i'm not just talking about romantic type relationships as much as uh, i genuinely mean whether that's friendships you know healthy relationships whatever the case may be you know um when i think about isolation i think about my wife you know my wife is an only child uh, she, so she grew up, uh, used to sitting on the couch by herself. You know what I mean? Uh, she'll watch a TV show. She'll read a book. She's totally fine with that. Like totally fine with that. Yeah. You know, that's just how she rolls. Um, she enjoys that quiet time. She's kind of a homebody. Um, and that's, that's a great thing. Good for her. You know, uh, whereas I, I know me, we talk about this all the time, me and you, like, we want to know where the happen pace is. Like what, you know, what yeah. are people doing tonight? What's what going people, on? Yeah. What yeah. are people getting into? Um, and so that's kind of, 
the the difference and so for her and, and we talk about this we me and her talk about this the difference is that you know even though she doesn't mind sitting on the couch by herself even though she doesn't mind you know we have our son Jabin is uh he has special needs so we have a five-year-old son who has special needs um and so we don't necessarily have the luxury of making last minute plans so if you want to invite us to something, you better have done it last Friday. All right. Cause that's how we have to roll. Yeah. You know, um, but we have friends who, man, they'll be like, Hey, you know, that movie starts in 20 minutes. So let's just pack up and go see that movie. Um, and they'll reach out to us. And obviously like we can't, we don't, we're not able to make last minute plans like that. Um, and so because of that, uh, what tends to happen is after you say no to people's plans and they're, they're, they're asking you to join them so many times, People eventually just stop asking, right? Yeah. Um, and Ashley has this saying, which is, you know I'm going to say no, but I want to be invited anyways. Because that's her way of knowing that you she's not forgot about. Right. She's not isolated. Like, she's still part of something, even when she can't be at everything. And that's the fear of isolation that we're talking about. We're not talking about this fear um, because I'm constantly alone as much as we're talking about the fear of being alone long term um, and thinking about relationships both both romantically but, but quite frankly more of a broad spectrum type relationship conversation is more what we're talking about absolutely and then an, another one of the fears um, isolation was one pain was one and then the fear of, of loss you know the, of right. losing something or someone right so you know with loss um, it's the, it's this fear of losing whether you know a grandparent you know grandma grandpa a mom or a dad um, an aunt or uncle, a cousin, a brother, a sister, a, a son or a daughter. Um, I mean, a, a pet, you know, in the way I describe it is the fear of losing anything that is valuable to you, because it could also be a job. It could be your home. You know, I think about my grandma and my grandpa, you know, my grandpa built my grandma a home, well, you know, long before he passed away, he built it with his bare hands like that. That meant something to them. It wasn't a big house. It wasn't a mansion. It w- but it was their house. Right. And the fear of losing their house um, w- meant something because it had value to them. And so if your relationships are valuable, if your pets are valuable, I know you're not a, a big pet person in regards to like <laughs> not I mean, at all how, how we are you know yeah, me, and my, not at all. me and my wife you know like our dogs our family they're they're our children you know so yeah no, um, no. i know you don't roll like that not even a little <laughs> bit yeah <laughs> so for some of us you know we uh the the pets you know we fear the loss of that you know um so just just different avenues so loss doesn't has to just have to be someone um but it's losing anything or anyone that's valuable to us. And, and you know, you, you hit on something and I, I don't want to go down a different road, but uh, you, we made the joke about me not being a pet person. And, you know, I, I wonder if there's something deep down in me that that's not that I don't like dogs and puppies and sure. stuff like they're great, but you know, I've seen people that, um, you know, years have a pet that becomes part of the family. And then obviously a pet's going to pass away long before a person does, right. you know, it's like, why deal with that? Yeah. Is that, yeah. 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 You, you know what I'm saying? Like, for, for, like why, why invite that loss into my life when I can just not have a dog right? Is and it, save money on dog food? And stuff? <laughs> oh, well, then there's yeah. that. Yeah. Is it a detachment thing? You know yeah. what I mean? Is, is it an attachment thing? Yeah. Same way. I mean, Volcom, you know, our oldest, you know, we got two dogs, <laughs> our oldest, like they're our children. Yeah. Um, you know, he's eight, about to be nine, about to be nine years old. And um, man, you know, like 
the thoughts are hit me occasionally, you know, as he's getting older, he's having, he's had to have like an ACL surgery, you know, like a dog ACL surgery. So for real, he, yeah, for real. That's so a real thing. That's a real thing. So he oh, had to wow. have that and he's, he's just getting older, man. Yeah. He's slowing down quite a bit. And, um, you know, with all that, the thought does hit you like, Hey, this dog's not going to last forever. And I can tell you, it's going to be a bad day at the Livingston house Sure, yeah. <laughs> Vulcan because like you, we're probably going to go on like all out lockdown. You're not going to be at work the next day. I'm not going to be at work the next day. You <laughs> Good know? thing you're the boss. I guess. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like it's, it's going to be, but um, but I already know that loss is coming and I already fear it. Yeah. And anyone that doesn't fear loss, if you don't fear the loss of something, then you don't have anything of value in your life. Right. And that's a terrible way to live. Terrible. So I, I, as much as I hate the idea of losing, you know, Volcom, at, at, you know, when he gets older in age, um, I look back at all the time, you know, we look at photos and all this stuff. I mean, totally worth it. But, you know, each one of us needs to have something in our life that we have enough value in that we fear losing. <laughs> Right. You know, um, and hopefully it's not just life itself, you know, because who no. loves life will lose it. Blah, blah. Anyway, yeah, so, yeah. Um, but yeah, fear of loss, man. That's that's what it would have been about. It has to do with something of value. So you 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 picked out four things um, of the what the things that what do we fear? And then we you went into how to deal with that iceberg, that ice of fear. Right. And, and, and practical steps on how someone can can walk through and deal with that iceberg, that piece. Uh, mm-hmm. that that thing in their life that that fear um, the first one was overcome my anxiety right let's talk about that anxiety because you, you hit on it a, a little bit sunday morning and differentiating the uh, types of anxiety right yeah, yeah yeah so so before we get like into it hard and heavy we you de- we want to bring to the surface the same thing we said sunday which is we we want to distinguish the difference between Chemical imbalance, right? Some people have anxiety that comes from a chemical imbalance. And um, I believe that people should take medication for that if that's what their doctor has prescribed them to. You know, I do not believe in the old adage, like you just need to have more faith and all that nonsense. Like I believe we should have faith and I believe if God wants to heal us, he will. Um, but I believe that if he hasn't healed you yet, take what you need to take to be okay. You yeah. know what I mean? Well, it, it, we talked at lunch. We had a conversation yeah. about you know, Christians have high blood pressure. They take high blood pressure medication, yet there's a stigma with a Christian uh, taking antidepressants or or something to help or maybe anxiety, a, a chemical yeah. imbalance or something. Um, so so yeah, I, I agree. Yeah, so we always want to get that out of the way first. You know, what I mean, we're not we're certainly not advocating for someone not taking necessary medication for their life, and and particularly if it makes you better, if it makes your family better, if it makes your marriage better, you know, like it makes your home better. Like by all means, do that. Um, can can God make it to where you don't have to? Sure, but if he if he hasn't yet, then do what you have to do. So, but that aside, you know, essentially what we're talking about is the anxiety that comes from situations, you know, situational anxiety. Um, because at the end of the day, and when it's all said and done, what, what we have is, uh, if whether people admit it or not, it is that when I have anxiety that comes from situations, it boils down to the fact that I don't know that God will do the thing that I want him to do about the situation that I want him to do it in. I, it's not that I don't think he's powerful enough. It's that I don't know that he will, whether that's in his plan, whether it's in yeah. his purpose, you know what I mean? Like, the situational anxiety comes yeah. from the fact that something has happened to me in my past. Something has happened to me, whether, you know, in childhood or whatever, um, or adulthood. And because of that, it creates a situational anxiety in my heart, in my mind, in my spirit that I don't know if God will come through with the thing that I'm believing for him to do in my life. Yeah, he can. But yeah, will he? Yeah. I mean, yeah. as a believer, you yeah. know, I, I mean, I'm a pastor and, um, you know, I believe that God spoke the sun, moon and stars in this place. I believe the tides in the ocean come and go at his words. Um, I believe that, 
you know, that he created the earth in seven days and whatever that format looks like, you know, we've talked about that kind of stuff before, but I believe that God is God. He's sovereign over the whole thing. I genuinely do. So this isn't a question of whether or not I believe he's powerful enough to change my situation. It's whether or not he's going to work out my situation the way I would have him do it. And like we said Sunday, in all honesty, how many of us have had suggestions for God that he never took? Yeah. <laughs> Everyone, hey God, you, God do, you know, it'd be really awesome if he did it this way. Does he do it that way? Of course not, because his ways are higher than our ways and his thoughts are higher than our thoughts. And so um, we're at a constant place of trying to walk out situational anxiety. So that's what we run into. Will God do what he said he's going to do? Right. Right. So um, and for me personally, you know, I, I've a few people know this, but, you know, with my son who is sick. Um, part of his sickness, part of it that comes with that is like seizures and some of those things. And as we, as we've had to go through that in the past, um, because, uh, of his seizures and, you know, he wears a heart monitor and stuff like that. And so when his seizures come back, you could ask my wife when his seizures do resurface again, um, I have to fight really hard against anxiety in my own spirit. Um, because it's the exact same thing, right? This situation is a situation that obviously I'm not fond of. It affects my child. It affects my family. Um, I know that God is more than capable than to heal my son. I know that he can do it. Um, so like, kind of like, where you at God? Like, I know you can do it. Um, now obviously going back, that doesn't cause me to doubt God's existence. What it does is it causes me to doubt God's plan. And if I can be honest as a pastor and just be real on a podcast and say, I trust God 100% and I know that he can do anything. Um, do I think that he'll always do everything I want him to do? Uh, I think I know better than yeah. to think that. So when, when Jamin has a seizure, like my anxiety goes through the roof. I bury my head in my phone after I, I make sure my wife's okay. I make sure Jamin's okay. But in that aftermath afterwards, I bury my head in my phone uh, as I try to calm myself down and uh, sometimes I'll just go like lay my head down on a pillow for a few minutes trying. I mean, there was one point in time I, I had o- over 180 BPM heart rate for over six hours. Like, but we were, th- yeah. we were going to, we were going to take me to the hospital because I couldn't get it under control. I couldn't get my anxiety under control um, because of how scary it is. It's the situations that we do. We can't control. We know God can control, but we don't see him controlling them the way we want him to control them. Therefore we're at a constant state of suspense. And that's what situational anxiety does to our hearts. Yeah. And it's, it's overcoming the, you know, if he can, why, if he can heal this and fix this situation, why isn't he? And you had to come to, you know, it's like coming to terms with maybe being part of God's plan. And even though that's hard to see, you know, sure. and, and I, 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 I dislike um, using Javen as an example in conversation because it's close to home for, for, for us and for you, um, you know, but even in that, you know, you know that there are people's lives being affected positively because of Jabin and the, right. and, the and the story. Yet, mm. as a father, you still have to sometimes sit and watch, you know, a seizure happen. You know, you would sure. you would fix that in an instant yeah. if you could, regardless of all the other good. You yeah. know, so it's like coming to it, it's even when God isn't doing it the way He want you want Him to. Um, do you still surrender your life and your will to that plan? You know, and that's the hard part. I would, I would trade it all in a heartbeat. Sure. I I would trade, I would, I would never pastor a church again. I would never preach in a pulpit again. Um, I would go back to a nine to five, you know, corporate job, whatever I would go, I would, if I would go back and do it all again, um, I would give it all back. If I knew Javen would be whole, like I I really would, you know, and, and I know people were probably out there like, well, you know, that's just not, 
Yeah, well, you know, I don't care what you think. Like, they, they <laughs> you haven't know? walked in your steps. Yeah, you haven't. Like, that, come, yeah. come, take a few steps in these shoes, and you'll understand what that means. You know, and so, um, but at the same time, the Lord hasn't given me that option either. You know, He hasn't done a red pill, blue pill matrix thing to <laughs> right, me yet. Like, right. So, um, so here we are. You serve having, in the midst of all that. Well, yeah, that's yeah. the whole thing, yeah. right? Is that so? Okay, so, um, God has not uh, done all the things we've asked Him to do yet. Um, here we have these situations that we can't control. Here these create anxiety, even in me, um, that creates fear, um, even in me, of not knowing what the future holds for for us and for him. And at the same time, I have put complete trust in the fact that God will do what he said he will do and that this earth is not my home. This is temporary. Um, and I think we put way too much value and way too much worth on earthly things and what we have here and um, and so we're in a constant state of trying to navigate that. I sure. think that's why I love guys like Matt Chandler, David Platt, John Piper, Tim Keller, because um, I think they communicate a message that's just so clear about the fact that you're going to go through things like things. <laughs> life gets hard. We are in a sinful world full of sin, pe- sinful people, sinful diseases. Like we here we are um, and we're navigating a Christian journey. But uh, oftentimes our afflictions are a bigger testimony than our words. Right. So as we trust God, as we go through things that communicates to unsaved people much more about who Jesus is than what we tell them with right. our mouth. They want to watch us live what we proclaim with our mouth. That's right. Um, and I think that's why we have to overcome anxiety. That's why, uh, you know, and, and this is coming from a guy who hasn't figured it all out yet. What I do know is we have to figure it out. Yeah. Like we have to trust the Lord in it. Um, and so and we're constantly at that place of overcoming that anxiety and dealing with that iceberg. <clears throat> Absolutely. And then the second point was, and, and what I liked about the first point was it was not removing my anxiety. It was overcoming uh, my anxiety. But the second point was remove my rejection. So talk, talk about that a little bit about the, the rejection um, that may cause people to, to, to have fear in their life and, and removing the rejection versus maybe overcoming it. So uh, I, what we have in uh, dealing with rejection is that anxiety comes from situations, but rejection comes from words. So uh, what we deal with with rejection is the idea that we're not enough, right? Um, eje- rejection stems from the root of inadequacy. I don't feel like I'm good enough. I don't feel like I, I am enough, uh, you know. Um, and ultimately, if we boil that down, if we were to dig really, really deep into somebody, we would realize that that is coming from somewhere in that person's life uh, where someone spoke over them that they weren't enough, that they weren't good enough. They, they weren't going to be anybody. You know, um, someone told them whether it was a peer, whether it's a teacher, whether it was a parent, an aunt, an uncle, a dean, a school principal, you know, uh, you know a gym teacher. What, like Whatever, someone, yeah. someone spoke to them. Um, and planted a seed in their mind, you know, inception style, like planted a seed in their mind that they weren't anything and they never were going to be. And here we are for some people 10, 20, 50 years later, and it has defined the person that sits in front of us. Um, and we have to remove the rejection. And just like you said, you know, we overcome anxiety because that's situational. We can't help that. Um, but we have to remove rejection because that's a lie. Anxiety is not a lie. We, you, you experienced yeah. that. Like you felt that, that pain, that, <laughs> that was, was real. real. That situation, that was real. It hurt, you know, but that rejection, that's not real. That's a lie. Someone spoke it over you. And just like we talked about last week, hurt people, hurt people, man. So someone who was rejected obviously is going to reject. So we get ourselves into a position where we have to recognize how important it is to remove our rejection. Otherwise 
we grow up constantly feeling like we're not enough. And I know you talk about being parented really, really well. Yeah, I, I, I do. <laughs> I, I, I see people even jokingly, you know, that will, will pick on their kids and, you know, it's all fun and games, but you know, sometimes then you hear words like dummy or stupid, you know, like to their kids. And I know even sometimes it comes off as joking, but yeah, I, I look back for me, like I believe I was parented very well, even, even as my parents divorced when I was like fifth or sixth grade, you know, they weren't in the home together, but I believe each of them done a very, it's, and it's not, it's, and I hate for it to sound like a, a brag, a bragging thing or patting myself on the back that I turned out well, but I know what it's like to have a good mom and a good father, you know, sure. a good dad. And, um, and I, I think back that, that, that what they spoke into me, like my dad, mm -hmm. for example, you know, I used to, after I was out of the 10 year old, like gun stage where I was like, I'm going to be an FBI agent or, you know, playing cops <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, yeah. 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 After that, you know, at a young age it's I don't know where it came from, but I was like, man, I, I want to be CEO of like a fortune 500 company and all this. And, you know, my dad comes home one day with a, with a book, how to become CEO. He saw wow. it in Barnes and Nobles and it's like, I'm 12 or 13. He, he never. Um, and then from then on, like I, I always had these little, you know, maybe delusions of grandeur type, you know, I'm going right. to do this. And he never once was like, son, you know, pump the brakes a little bit, or maybe you're more cut out to this. Yeah, that was yeah. never the case. It was always encouragement. Like I fully believe I can do anything I want, at least in the job world, because I believe my dad and, and my mom spoke that over me, at least gave me the confidence to be able to do it. And that's know? huge. And that's exactly it's what we're huge. talking about, yeah. man. The, the difference, you know, I think of the same thing, you know, pastor Dan, you know, my dad is phenomenal. I think, you know, and I think if you ask any of our parents, they'll tell you all the reasons how they failed us, you know, and we look back and tell you all the reasons they were successful and they were great, you know, and uh, same thing. You know, I, I remember my dad telling me when I had just got to high school and, you know, freshman, freshman in high school, they're already starting the what are you going to do with the rest of your life conversations? You know what I yeah. mean? Um, and I remember being there and he looked at me and, you know, I, it, it was my freshman year of high school was the first time we ever had a conversation about college. Think about that. It wasn't yeah. implanted in my mind in third grade that I had to go to College, know, Dartmouth yeah. or whatever, what you know, a, yeah. like, you know, university of who cares? Like it, it was like freshman year of high school is our very first conversation about college. And he looks at me and he says, you do whatever you want to do. Here's the only thing I ask of you. You be the best at it. And you don't work for someone else making them rich for the rest of your life. Yeah. He said, you own your business, whatever it is that you're going to be the best at. you open the business and you become the best at it and you work for yourself. Don't work for someone else your whole life. Those are the, that was the, that was the grow up conversation my dad had with me, but it implanted this thing this thought in my mind that I can do anything. There's no, there was yeah. no conversation about, Oh no, you can't do that. No, 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 you can't do that. Well, and what's so, what's so hard and you probably deal with this, um, be, being that you had that as well. What's so hard is um, for me personally is I'm very confident in my, in my, I really believe right. in myself. And, and as a, as a Christian one, I think we should believe in ourselves because God thinks very highly of me, you know? Sure. Um, but a lot of people take that as arrogant and, and I wouldn't, it's me and you talking, even though we're on a podcast, but <laughs> right. I want to act like it's me and you talking. Sure. I believe the people that find me arrogant are insecure people. I would never say that to them because sometimes I think that, you know, maybe my perception or maybe I could handle myself differently or whatever in a situation where um, I'm not perceived that way. Sure. I believe anyone that knows me doesn't really think I'm arrogant. I am confident in myself and I'm not going to deny that. I believe people that find me that would label me as arrogant are insecure. 
and 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 because it's it's that was instilled in me this this great just great um just it was never pumping me up. It was never like, you're the greatest son ever. Like it right, was, right, it was right, not right, that, right. you know, I wasn't the, I, I wasn't, I didn't do sports and all that. Like I'm, I'm little and I run slow. Like, um, so it was never like, you're the greatest baseball player. You're the greatest. It, it was not, it was that. never an option. It was you. never an option. It was, it was like, whenever I was like, dad, you know, I want to do this when I get older. Like, okay. So how do you go about that? Yeah. You know, I started talking about becoming CEO at 12 years old of a fortune 500 company. It couldn't even name one fortune 500 company but i'm gonna be the ceo but he brings a book home you know it's right. like and, and and just and teaching and that's where that that's where i i really hate it for some of this this next generation that doesn't have fathers in the home you know yeah. because not only that i was taught stuff i was taught like mm-hmm. for lack of a better word street smarts you know like i know how to get places in town because he took us different routes to show us you know there's another way to get to the mall or to the skating rink than this way, you know, the we can come, we, I know I had to throw that in there. Bro, yeah, so, yes. uh, shout out dreamland. Um, <laughs> uh, so, so yeah, it, it was just that I, I don't, that's not to say no one's ever rejected me or spoken something over me. So well, I understand it. And so, and here's what we have to deal with too. And, and we have to, I have to, you, so both of us are fairly confident, right? There are areas we know we're weak in. Sure. Right. Yeah. Um, so it's not that we think we're great at everything. It's no. that we know our strengths really, really well. I'm I'm great at almost nothing, but the one or two things I'm really good at, I go all in. Sure. That's where, that's so, where I differ. So I think yeah. Yeah, so I think it's a couple of things. One, I think we were I think we were blessed to be parented well, first of all. Secondly, um, I think both of us invest in ourselves today. Yeah. We, we don't stop doing that. We listen to podcasts, we read books, Always. You know, we pay attention to people that are constantly trying to we're trying to better ourselves so we're constantly doing that so there's that but here's the thing that i want to i want to kind of nail down going back to remove rejection we if we were to sit here long enough on this podcast and, and go back and forth with each other we would nail down somewhere at some point sometime in our life that someone told us we weren't going to be able to do something yeah so maybe you told dad i want to do this somebody said that's a terrible idea or that's a stupid idea and we have spent a good chunk of our lives proving them wrong. Yeah. Um, and even re- so, so when I say rejection, sometimes rejection works itself out in a way of uh, people become inadequate. They don't feel like they're good enough. And then that, that they tend to tell themselves that they believe that lie and then they never become something. I think the other group of people, um, they hear that and they accept the challenge. Um, and then here, and here's the trick. They allow rejection and those words of inadequacy to drive them to never let them be real in their life to the degree that they'll abandon anything else to make sure it comes true. Yeah. We had a conversation earlier about success. Right. 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 And and, uh, and I think for me, you know, I, I, I work hard for success because I'm going to be successful at whatever it is I do. You know, what I mean? like I'm, I'm going to put my mind to it. I'm not, I'm not saying I'm going to be the best. I'm saying I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be successful at whatever I do. Um, but I have had someone speak over me before that I was never going to be good at anything. And so let, instead of letting that define me and me not becoming anything, it drives you. It drives me. Yeah. Um, and, but here's, here's, and here's what we got to on Sunday, right? What do we finally land on? The fact that we don't have to fight that rejection because God's victory in our life is already gives us victory over the thing that was spoken over us. Like we don't have to fight it. It's not that um, we have to sit here and go to, go to battle every day against this thing. It's that we should literally be resting in 
the victory that God's already had in our rejection. That rejection, we shouldn't be trying to overcome it ourselves. We should be allowing it to be removed and just resting in who God says we are and not trying to fight to prove ourselves to anyone, to else, anyone else, especially someone 30 years ago. Some of some people are 50 years old, 60 years old. They're trying to prove something to someone that someone said 40 years ago. And that person's dead already. Yeah. And they're still they're letting a dead person's words define who they are as an adult. Like that's tragic, man. Yeah. Like that's terrible. That's hard. So we we try to trying to get to an idea where we're not overcoming rejection. We're not trying to overshadow rejection. We're, we're literally it. trying to remove it. Remove like we it. want it gone. Yeah. Um, because it's a lie. It's all a lie. If you're listening to this podcast and you feel like you're not good enough at something, like maybe you're not. Like maybe there there are certain things. Listen, I'm not great at everything. You know what I mean? Like um I I've I have been trying to lose 50 pounds for like three years and I got 60 to go. Okay. You know what I'm saying? So, <laughs> yeah. you know what I'm saying? so like, like that is not something I'm good at. Um, and I'm really trying this year to make that happen. You know what I'm saying? So that's, that is something I'm not saying I'm great at everything. I'm saying that there are things that I know I'm good at, but I'm not going to let someone else's words of rejection over me control me. I, I refuse to let that dictate my life. Right. That's good. So the third point was, and I think this is my, my favorite out of the, out of the four points is change my channel. Yeah. Um, because if anything, this is something that I think that we have somewhat control over right. in these, you know, and you, you use the, the, the analogy of how the, the icebergs get caught in like the currents and the, the, the channels in the, yep. in the water, the currents and all that. Um, and how the ships will talk to each other and, you know, you may need to get out of the channel yep. and get into another channel. Um, but you know, I think of everything. It's like, you know, if you're, if you're putting guard, I, I think of like a physical, like change the channel, like the TV, sure, you know, sure. and it's, it's, or, or the radio. If I don't like the song, I change it. I change the channel period. Yeah. You know? So it's, um, that's something that I can have some control over, you know, if, if you're a parent and you walk in and your kid's watching crap on TV, <laughs> right. Change, the channel. change, you know, change the channel, yeah. you know? Yeah. So, yeah. I mean, we talked about, you know, the main point, just because we're in the series icebergs, you know, we talk about channels that the icebergs move in and, and yeah, you, just like you said, you know, you, the, there's shipping lanes or channels. People call them lanes or channels. And, and because they're shipping lanes that the ships stay in, you know, they know um, where they're going. They can navigate in the water, stuff like that. And icebergs will get in these shipping lanes, right? So they'll come down um, from up north and they'll get in the shipping lanes. And people will look at them and say, man, you really need to get out. You know, like if you're in, if you're in lane, whatever, Elta Delta Bravo, whatever, you know, like if you're in that lane, you need to get out. Yeah. Um, cause there's some stuff that, that could, could sink your ship. Um, and I think in our life we have to do the same thing. Like we have to be aware of what channel we're in. And, and when people look at us and say, man, you need to get that out of your life. It's going to sink your ship. It's going to sink your life. It's going to wreck you. You know what I mean? Like, what do we do? We tend to just blow them off. Oh, it's not that big a deal because when we see it on the surface, it's not that big, but we can't see yeah. what's underneath the water. And if we're honest with ourselves, you know, whether it, whether it's an addiction problem, whether it's a bitterness problem, you know, whether it's fear, like we talked about this past week, um, you know, on top, on the surface, it looks like something we can manage, but underneath the surface, deep down in our soul, it is a big problem that most of the time we're not dealing with and it's dictating to us what happens in our life. And we have to change the channel. We have to get out of it. And I use the, we use the analogy of traffic. You know what I mean? Those people that stop before they turn. You know what I mean? Like traffic, <laughs> the traffic's traffic's moving, and these people they come to a complete stop with their blinker on, and then they turn into where they're going. And what do most of us usually do? Right, we sit there right behind them, hollering at them from our car, like they can hear us. You know, honking the horn, whatever. So you know, and we use the analogy you're talking about laying on the horn, just bah, yeah. you know. Um, and in reality, all we got to do is just go around them. 
Like we don't have to sit here, but that's exactly what we do in life, right? When we come up against anxiety, we come up against rejection. Instead of going around it, we just sit there with our laying on our horn. And that's a metaphor for talking. Like, so we sit here and talk about anxiety and we talk about our fear. We talk about our rejection, but we don't ever go around it. We don't ever try to do something with it. Yeah. We just sit behind it and talk about how bad it is, about how bad we wish it would move. In all reality, it's not going anywhere. You have to move. You have to go around your anxiety. You have to remove your rejection. You're going to have to put work into it. You need to talk to somebody. You need to join a small group. You're going to have to do something to overcome this fear. Otherwise, it'll sink you. You know, So you have to be aware of that. Totally. The last point um, was freedom in my faith. Yes, freedom in my faith. So freedom in my faith, um, you know, I think was um, understanding. I, I think at some point you have to understand who you are and you have to understand who you are because of whose you are. I heard Robert Madu say that back in probably 2008, right? Uh, Christ of the Nations in Dallas. And when he said that, it wrecked my world. You got to understand who you are because of whose you are. Yeah. Uh, and I was just, wow. And so because of that, we talked about freedom in our faith. And essentially what we are talking about with freedom in your faith is that because we're in Christ, freedom from anxiety, from fear, from rejection, all that, that, that becomes automatically available, but we got to walk in it. Like we have to want it. Uh, we have to desire it. Um, and so, because, you know, like what we talked about, I mean, when you get saved, Jesus enters your life, the Holy Spirit is now available to you. And where the spirit of the Lord is, there's, there's freedom. freedom, right? Yeah. So, I mean, like, um, there's liberty there, there. We don't have to keep lying under the weight that comes from uh, that comes from the iceberg particularly fear um and so yeah we're, we're talking about freedom in our faith and we looked at um psalms 3 1 through 8 and man like david gets real about the fact that life feels like it's coming at him from all sides right he feels like he's getting buried under life he feels like you know everything is happening he's about to fight one particular battle so like the armies he talks about the armies popping up and then he starts, then uh, he says in verse five and six, he says, I stretch myself out. I sleep and then I'm up again, rested, tall and steady, fearless before the enemy mobs coming at me from all sides. Like boys fixing to go to war. <laughs> like the like battle is coming for him, right? Like, so he's, he's going through, he recognizes that the armies are coming and, and then he gets to the middle of everything and he talks about how he's resting in the fact that God is going to be victorious for him. And I think all of us have to come to that same thing where we become rested in God's ability to be victorious for us rather than us trying to fight for ourselves. Yeah, that's good. So I, I like the, I like the quote that I like that you quoted yourself in the, <laughs> in the notes, but I, I love the quote. Faith is the current that dictates the speed and direction yep. of freedom. Yep. That's good. Yeah. Yeah. Faith is the current that dictates the speed and direction of freedom, especially looking at, the icebergs, you know what I mean? Like if, if faith is an iceberg, you know, if, or if freedom is an iceberg that you're wanting, like faith is the current that's going to dictate that. And, yeah. Uh, allowing our faith to encourage us into freedom. You know what I mean? Uh, so, yes, that's good. So then, you know, lastly, we, we looked at Marianne Williamson's quote, which, bro. This quote is, it's long. But it is so good. Like it's way more than it'll fit in a tweet. <laughs> And that's a shame. Yeah. Yeah. Because it needs to go two parts. It's a two parter. It's a two part tweet. Two part tweet. Yeah. Because it's, it's really good. Are you going to read that? Yeah, I'll read it, man. So it says, I will break it down briefly for a second. It says our deepest fear is not that we are inadequate. Our deepest fear is that we are powerful beyond measure. It is our light, not our darkness that most frightens us. We ask ourselves, 
who am I to be brilliant and gorgeous, talented, fabulous? Um, actually, who are you not to be? And man, that even go back to what we were just talking about with rejection. Yeah. You know, who am I? Like why, you know, someone has told us a long time ago, we could never be beautiful. We could never be fabulous. We could never, you know, whatever. And we believe it. And that's the lie that we're talking about right here. Like Absolutely. who am I to be beautiful or fabulous? Um, but she says, actually, who are you not to be? Which I like, this the, is the turning point. The whole tone changes. The whole tone. Yeah. yeah, yeah everything changes. Everything changes. You are a child of God. Your playing small does not serve the world. There is nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. I can, I can relate to that. <laughs> you, uh, and I, it's, yes. fu- it's funny, but, but seriously, like, more people need to grasp that. Yeah. Like there's, there's nothing. What, there's, it goes back to the arrogancy that you talked about earlier. Yeah. Like pe- people who are insecure around you sometimes feel that you're arrogant. You're not, you're confident, Yeah. but you, you see yourself as a child of God. You see yourself as a prize um, in God's eyes. And so you carry that with you into your business adventures. And so whatever you're going to apply yourself yeah. to, right? Like, like he literally chose me yeah. for, for this season and for this calling and this gifts that he's, he, the, the gifts that his spirit gave to me, like I, I'm, I'm all, I'm all about, I'm all in on that, yeah. you know? So, and here's the deal. Anyone that's listening to this podcast, the only difference between Justin and you is your mentality. That's it. Cause God's already, I'm not, won. I'm not better than anyone. Yeah. God's God, already won this battle. Yeah. I'm he's, not, I'm not special. Yeah. God, God's already given you, he's already defeated your fear, right? Like he's already given you a way out for your anxiety. Like his ways are higher than our ways. His thoughts are higher than our thoughts. He's already given us something to overcome uh, our rejection right? Because mm-hmm. those are lies. So we can take, take, take every thought captive, right? So he's already given us something to overcome our rejection. Um, so we get to take every thought captive. Um, he's already given us something to change our channel. Like, so he's already won all of this. The only difference between, between Justin and whoever's listening or myself or whoever, like is mentality. So, um, yeah, keep, let, let's keep going. She yeah. says, there's nothing enlightened about shrinking so that other people won't feel insecure around you. We are all meant to shine as children do. You know, you, you know, you see the play, you go watch like you watch on a movie and it's all third graders and they're doing like some bogus Shakespeare thing or something. You yeah. know what I mean? And like, like all those kids are terrible, right? Yeah. In all actuality, like no third year old is three year old or third grader is good at like anything on a stage, but all the parents have their phones out. Yeah. They're all filming them. That's Why? The, Cause my kids pride yeah, and joy. Johnny's about to yeah. shine. You yeah. know what I mean? Even though it's going to be terrible they're taking pride in what they're about to watch. Right. That's God every time we wake up. Yeah. That's I mean, good. like, man, that's he good. wants to see us shine. So uh, we are all meant to shine as children do. We were born to make manifest the glory of God that is within us. It's not just in some of us. It's in everyone. And as we let our own light shine, we unconsciously give other people permission to do the same. As we are liberated from our own fear... Here it is, folks. Like, this is what it all boils down to right here. As you are liberated from your own fear, your presence automatically liberates others. Like, when you overcome that fear, when you defeat that whole thing, you automatically are able to bring freedom into other people's lives just because you walked in the room. That's strong. I can't tell you how many times I've sat down with people, um, and whether it's counseling, just conversations, and just sometimes it's just in passing. Um, and they'll come to me and they're really dealing with something. And after we have a literally man, like a five minute conversation, you know, they'll do the whole thing. Like, man, I just feel like this isn't even a problem for me anymore. Um, and it's certainly not me. It's not because I'm awesome. You know, know, Pastor Brad, like it's not anything like that. that. Um, what it is, is it's the fact that 
man, I've overcome my fear. Like I still deal with anxiety. We talked about that, but, but I've overcome the fact that I, I don't fear that God's not going to do something. Um, I believe that God is in control. I believe that he's sovereign, but I believe that our faith is dictating our freedom. And when we can lock into who God is and believing that his word is true, that his promises are yes and amen, that everything he said he will do, he will do. And, and we have confidence in that. And so I'm overcoming my fear of not knowing or the what if or rejection or inadequacy or not good enough, re, like overcoming all of that and landing on a place where God is my source and everything. But when I get around other people who are dealing with their fear, like it's a quick conversation before they're already turning it around. Like, Oh man, you know what? Yeah, I can do this or this is okay. And liberation takes place. Like they're liberated quickly by me stepping in, having overcome my fears. So you guys out there, and the difference between your workplace tomorrow being uh, a place that's depressed and oppressed or a place that's hmm. victorious is you walking in with a different mentality. Yeah. Like you walking in knowing that who God is. And we, I mean, we're not talking about some self-help thing. You know what I mean? Like we're not talking about like, oh, you just need to believe in yourself. Like e- even though I think that is part of it. Yeah. But you need to believe in who God is in you. Not who you say you are. Right. It's who, who God says who, you yeah, are. Yeah. It's not who you are. Yeah. It's whose you are. You know what I mean? Um, and I think when we grab a hold of that truth, man, um, game changer. So overcoming fear, man. Awesome. So uh, that that that's the 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 end of our podcast today on the Transformation Church follow up podcast to the sermon next week. Uh, this coming Sunday, we're going to be talking about another iceberg, and we'll be back um, to to unpack that a little farther. You can check us out on uh, transformationchurch.com. You can uh, follow Transformation Church on Instagram and Facebook at Transformation Pensacola. And we are both, Pastor Brad, uh, you're on Twitter. I'm on Twitter. My uh, Twitter handle is at Justin Oswald, uh, J-U-S-T-I-N-O-S-W-A-L-D. Correct. Yeah, and uh, you can find me on Twitter uh, at Brad Livingston underscore. So at Brad Livingston, B-R-A-D-L-I-V-I-N-G-S-T-O-N underscore. You can find both of us on Twitter. If you got questions, comments, concerns, um, or you just want to give us some love on the TC weekly follow-up podcast, man, hit us up on Twitter. You can find us in other avenues too, but, uh, that's definitely where we'd love to hear, yeah. uh, hear you guys give us a shout and, out. And if you, if you like the podcast, make sure you like and subscribe and share it with others and, uh, help us spread the word as we try to, uh, try to add value to everyone possible. And as, as we're taking on this idea of seizing the 167 and, and, and really living out this, this thing called Christianity. Amen. So, hey, guys, we appreciate you checking in with us. We will see you guys next week at the TC Weekly Follow-Up Podcast. See you guys.